Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 42. Keith Burgesson discusses the PETA Vegan Mentor Program and how you can get involved. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, food for life cooking instructor, health and wellness coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope you keep coming back as a regular listener. You can find more of my work, including health and wellness videos, at Veggie Fit Kids on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. It's good to be with you today. It's a great day, a beautiful day. And I have another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio for you. Today is a little bit different. I'm talking today with Keith, and he works for PETA, and he helped develop the Vegan Mentor Program. So today we're talking about that, but also his journey, which is a little bit interesting, and how he went vegan, and different tips that we have for people when they're making the transition. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. You'll learn a little something and it can also give you an opportunity to give back and mentor somebody or even become a mentee if you feel like you're at the beginning of your journey and need support. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. But before I tell you more about Keith, I want to remind you about the Warrior Woman Wellness Program which is an intensive 16-week program for women only who are looking to lose weight, get healthier, have a comprehensive system that not only helps them achieve a healthy weight, but sustain it in a realistic manner for the long term. 
I'm really excited about this program. My first group of women have done fabulous. I'm so proud of them. And I know that there's a few other women out there that this would be a good fit for. I'm only taking a small number of women because it is very intense one-on-one coaching. And this can be done either on person or via video or phone. So you do not have to live in my area to participate in this program. It can all be done virtually. And I know that even if it is done virtually, you will get all of the same results that the women get that are able to see me in person. So if you're interested in that, please check out veggiefitkids.com forward slash warrior woman, or you can go on Facebook, veggiefitkids.com and find the link there to sign up for a complimentary 15 minute discovery call so that we can see if this is a right fit for you and if that's something that you might wanna participate in. So if you are, check it out and I would love to work with you. In addition, please rate and review my podcast, share it with other people that you think might benefit from it and then check me out, like I said, online veggiefitkids.com on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at VeggieFitKids so that you can find other goodies and things that you might align with and appreciate. So Keith Burgesson is a native of Southern New Jersey and he holds a bachelor's degree in advertising from Rowan University and a certificate in plant-based nutrition from Cornell. After college, he traveled across the United States for more than four years as an AmeriCorps volunteer. Wow, that's great. Lots of good service that he put in there. Serving as an environmental educator, tackling food insecurity, and developing volunteer enrichment programs. Before coming to PETA in 2014, he worked as an animal caregiver for a farmed animal sanctuary in Southern California. An ethical vegan since 2009, Burgesson is a testament to the performance benefits of vegan eating. As a competitive long-distance runner, he consistently places in the top 3% of finishers for most of the races he participates in. Wow, what a guy. So big heart, servant, but also he can run fast. And that's great. So I really enjoyed talking to Keith, learning more about him, and learning about the Vegan Mentor Program. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you again next time. I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. Keith Bergeson, thank you so much for being on Veggie Doctor Radio today. Oh, you're very welcome, Yami. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to dive right in and talk about your vegan journey. How did you become a vegan? Ah, uh, yes. Oof. Wow. Sorry. So this was June fifteenth of two thousand nine. Uh, I do remember that that like aha moment uh, for me. I was. I'm originally from Southern New Jersey, and at the time I was still living in the area, and I came across uh, an event calendar for a, an environmental festival in Central PA. And so, uh, and to be totally honest, what, what really uh, drove me to taking the, the two-hour trip out there that day was the fact that they had um, a composting section and they were giving away um, free 
uh, composting bins. So that was really what, what drove me uh, to my veganism, I suppose. <laughs> Um, but no, so uh, when I uh, was at this event, I was meandering through the, the vendor section, and ironically enough, PETA uh, had a table there, and um, I was just kind of walking around, knowing all the uh, people at the tables were generally volunteers, uh, and just kind of shooting the, shooting the shit with uh, everybody at each table, just taking the literature, and didn't really think all that much of it. And for whatever reason, uh, the crew that I was with that day, I, I, uh, I wasn't driving, and uh, which was very unlike that scenario with that friend group. And uh, so I was, I was in the back seat driving home. Everyone else was doing their thing. So I, I was just fiddling through the, the brochures, and, and I got to the PETA literature. And, and even though I had talked about the stuff, um, animal agriculture to a certain extent, and the environmental impacts with the volunteers that day, um, it, it didn't really resonate with me uh, for one reason or another. But when I was in that car, uh, sitting in the back seat by myself, just going through the, the images and, and the, um, the, the literature itself, it, I mean, it, it hit me like a sack of bricks. It was instantaneous. I, I was a vegetarian before I got home that day. Um, uh, a lot of which, especially being PETA literature, was, was geared towards um, the cruelty associated with um, the uh, animal ethics. Uh, as well as the environmental stuff as well. So, and then, yeah, it was a couple months later for me, it was a really bad experience with a vegetarian lasagna that kind of put me over the edge and then there went the dairy and, uh, and here I am almost nine years later. Wow. So that's really funny. So basically you started out wanting some compost <laughs> when you traveled, you're like, eh, you know, this is nice, but nothing really that moved you. And on the drive home, that's what made all the difference. Do you remember anything in particular that you learned while reading those brochures that really moved your heart? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the, the, the cementing image uh, was uh, in regards to, to the baby chicks uh, in, in the egg industry and just how they're, uh, as I'm sure most of your listeners are, are privy to, how they are uh, general, or the males are generally killed within a day or a few hours of uh, being born because the industry has no use for them. And so just seeing the images of them being disposed of in large quantities in trash bags or ground up alive, you know, all, all that stuff that's just really, really grotesque and just morbid to think that that's how we treat other sentient beings. Uh, that, that really hit me. And growing up, we, we, were, we were always a, an animal-friendly household. And so for me, it was just making those connections, uh, that image in particular, and just kind of busting through that, um, the way of, um, th that we objectify animals and look at them in, in that context. And uh, yeah, it just, it shattered all the walls for me and, and that was the end of it. Was it pretty surprising, the things that you learned or had you already kind of known some of these things but really weren't thinking about it? I think, like most people, I, I think it's a little bit, it was, it was certainly a little bit of both, uh, but I didn't know the extent to which uh, things were, the, the process itself of raising animals, uh, how so much of it is legal, uh, so much of that cruelty, and, and to the extent to which we treat them, and and just the sheer numbers. I mean, you know, land animals alone were well over nine billion a year, right? And it's uh, to just put that into perspective and then um, more so in your line of work, just the, the doing more research because of that on the, the, the health uh, implications of, of eating meat and then and the benefits of adhering to a, um, 
plant strong uh, diet, uh, it just, it really just cemented the, uh, the lifestyle shift all the more for me. Mm-hmm. I love that because I, I came to veganism and a whole food plant-based diet, the opposite of you did. I started with just a health experiment that went, was amazing and changed my life. But within 30 days of watching documentaries like Earthlings mm-hmm. and The Cove, I couldn't turn back. You know, it's one of those things that you just, just keep piling on the reasons why eating and living this way is beneficial to us, to the animals, to the planet. And then once you have so many reasons, it's like, well, looks like the burden is on the benefits, not on the, the, you know, the drawbacks of eating this way. So I love, I love that story. That's, it's really great. Likewise. I mean, I think it's, it's important, you know, it's, um, the, the more reasons you have to care, the more likely you are to stick with it. So it only benefits yourself to mm-hmm. educate yourself on everything. Even if you're doing this just for the animal reasons or just for the health, you know, educate yourself on both. Educate yourself on the environment, the workers' rights. You know, this is these are four like, foundational pillars as to why this is a really healthy lifestyle. And um, yeah, so I, I, regardless of which way you go into it, the opposite of me, I, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you kind of get the full spectrum of knowledge and. Uh, and that's why you stick with it. Exactly. And that's what I tell people every time, because there are some people that for whatever reason, they, they feel a little bit uneasy or uncomfortable with the animal rights parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of that cognitive dissonance is there and it's a little bit too much for them. So to them, it's a little bit more comfortable to go in for one of the other reasons. But to me, it doesn't matter which reason people choose. <laughs> I mean, just like choose yeah. a reason. If it resonates with you, that's a great reason. So, yeah. so I love having examples of all of that. So you've been vegan now for over nine years. How long have you worked for PETA? Sounds like PETA was a big inspiration there at the beginning, but how long have you worked for them and how did you become involved in, in the work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the um, compost-driven uh, journey that um, I, I guess I'm still on, uh, that was, like I said, nine years ago. I worked for PETA for almost four years now. So this was still well before my, uh, my PETA years. Uh, so certainly uh, came full circle, in, in, at least in some regards. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, what was the, the latter half of your question? So how, how, did you be, how did you come to work for PETA? Did, was that a deliberate thing or did it just happen upon it? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose a little bit of both, but, but certainly more so the, the former. Um, I had, um, so, I, uh, after college, uh, I was traveling the country for a couple of years, all over the place, working for various nonprofits, other community service organizations through AmeriCorps, or predominantly through AmeriCorps, which anyone who is unfamiliar with AmeriCorps, it's essentially a domesticated version of the Peace Corps here in the U.S. And so I was wrapping up uh, a term of service in Southern California, and I had been volunteering with a farm sanctuary uh, there in Acton. It's about an hour north of LA, uh, an organization that I had also interned with uh, about a a year prior in their uh, New York headquarters. And uh, so then I I ended up working, uh, transitioned from the the final AmeriCorps position into uh, working as a caregiver for farm sanctuary for a while. And then due to family reasons, uh, my mother's illness, I, w- I wanted to move back to the East Coast. And so I was looking for, for jobs in the, uh, in the field, in the animal rights field. And I, I came across a position working with activists 
uh, with PETA. And so I actually interviewed for the job as I was driving cross country uh, that year in 2014. I was pulled over in a rest stop <laughs> taking my interview for PETA and uh, I ended up hearing back from them before I even made it back to the East Coast. Uh, and then I quickly moved down to their headquarters in Virginia, which is where I was for a while before I transitioned to being remote. Uh, and then yeah, after about a year with uh, working uh, with activists, I then uh, took over this new program, which is where I am now, about three years later, uh, the Vegan Mentor Program. Awesome, yeah. which I definitely want to talk more about. But first, I, I want to talk about some controversy maybe, because before I was vegan, I I'm embarrassed to even admit this, I was one of those people that would joke around and say things like, oh, don't call PETA, you know, it has this kind of infamous reputation in our society of being this really extreme, what people consider an extreme organization. So what, what do you think about that? What do you think about PETA's work and their reputation here in the US? Yeah, no, and I, I can definitely, what you're saying, uh, definitely, uh, is it, something that, that resonates with me that, I, that I've heard from other people. And I think that that, that is um, a, a representation that, that the organization has. And, you know, when you're, you know, like you said, that, that cognitive dis dissonance, something that is as deeply ingrained in who we are in our culture, uh, eating meat. Uh, I mean, there's very few things that are more habitual than eating meat in the United States, right? So this is something that has not just the habitual value, uh, religious implications, traditions, you know, I mean, it's just so deeply ingrained. People love the taste of meat. So when, when that is either attacked or perceived as being attacked, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for us to, to put our defenses up. And PETA, just the nature of the organization, they've never been one to shy away from the issues. Uh, these are, of course, uh, very, very important issues that um, this industry, ju just the, the food industry alone, of course, is uh, the cause of not only so much pain and suffering in billions of animals, but the environmental degradation, like we said, the, the, uh, the, the workers' rights, you know, there's so much that goes into it. Into it. And um, they use, we use different tactics, and certain tactics are going to resonate with different people in different ways. For some people, it, it is that shock tactic that uh, yeah, some people don't want to see that that graphic imagery. They don't want to see a, a certain demo that on on the street. Uh, but for other people, that's what it takes. You know, it's um, it, it's it, it's an organization that doesn't shy away from presenting the facts and getting it out there at um, in some regards, whatever cost you have to, just to to make people uh, aware of what's going on, and then hope that you can evaluate that information and, and process it in a way that, that allows you to be more open-minded to you know, what's going on and what you're actually supporting uh, because it is, it is cruelty. It is, uh, it is barbaric in a lot of ways. And uh, I mean, this is 21st century and the fact that we still do this the way that we do it in terms of processing animals and, and just the sheer numbers. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking and it's, it's uncivilized in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, it requires a paradigm shift in people's brains. Mm -hmm. And I feel that after I went vegan and learned the information I did, I did a 180 and I was like, whoa, wait a second. I, I, it's like my brain exploded, you know? Yeah. And I couldn't see the world the same way. So when PETA seemed like 
an extreme organization at one point in my life, suddenly it seemed like, you know, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why not do it that way? But, you know, we use as a physician in medicine, trying to convince people to adopt certain behaviors or change certain habits. There's times when we've used extreme tactics too, like hmm. the times when you, you, when you put warnings on cigarettes or on alcohol, of what can happen, or even putting pictures of, you know, people, um, the changes that can happen after you get mouth or throat cancer, you know, mm -hmm. those are all very shocking too. And I guess you could say that those tactics might not resonate with some people, but for some people it can make a big difference in whether they choose to quit smoking. So it's not just done in the animal rights movement, but I think that pointing that out is very important to know that when people think a certain way, it seems extreme, but then when you change your thinking, it makes sense. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. you just need that paradigm shift. That's a really, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really healthy point. Uh, and, and, you know, like at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about you in that moment, right? It's about realizing that this is being presented because obviously people care very, very deeply about it and to evaluate why it bothers you so much, not the fact that it bothers you or, or even necessarily what they're saying as long as you're, you're gathering the information but but why does that bother you so much and yeah and, and a lot of times it just equates to people coming full circle and realizing oh well, it bothers me this much because the more i look into it the more you know messed up it is and and then yeah you you kind of have that shift and and then you're out there leafleting or you know participating in demos because uh yeah it's it turns your world upside down yeah, that's excellent. I love that. So for the listeners out there, what Keith is saying that if you have that moment of cognitive dissonance, don't automatically ignore it and try to make yourself comfortable again. Hmm. Dive deep into it and evaluate why is this making me so uncomfortable because there's good information there. There's a reason why it's making you uncomfortable because you have two opposing pieces of information that your brain cannot put together. <laughs> so instead yeah. of just being like, whatever, I'm just going to reject this new information and just go with the information that I'm comfortable with, go in there and just evaluate, just be curious. Why, why is it making me yeah. so uncomfortable? I mean, that, that's, that's where true personal growth is, right? I mean, that fear and pain. I mean, that's the stuff that we kind of inherently and biologically steer away from and, and kind of suppress because it makes us more comfortable in the moment. But but that's that's where your personal growth is. You 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 attack that fear and that pain, that anxiety, head on. Uh, and it's the same with this, and it's the same with the the smoking example that you gave. Um, just don't don't turn away from it. Just attack it. Do your research and figure out why it makes you that uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, let's talk more about this program you run, the Vegan Mentor Program. What would you like us to know about it, and how can we be of help for those of us that are already vegan? Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, just very um, outskirt def or, uh, description of the, the program. Uh, so we, we have a what's known as a Vegan Mentor Program, and so we essentially help guide aspiring vegans um, into, into this new lifestyle shift. You know, a, a lifestyle shift that is, for a lot of people, ends up being one of the, if not the most important, rewarding lifestyle decisions of their lives, whether they know it or not. And, uh, and yeah, so we, so we do this through several outlets, but predominantly the, the, the core of the program is 
uh, personalized guidance. So anybody who signs up for the program, whether they're aspiring to be vegan or vegetarian or just eat less meat, whatever, wherever they're looking at doing right now, we will pair them with somebody who has been vegan generally for, for quite a while uh, and has a really found uh, foundational knowledge of not only what it, the day-to-days the of, of cooking and, and dining and, and shopping and interacting with um, different social settings, uh, but also just how to, how to have fun with it. Because it, it's so often, the lifestyle is so often perceived as looking at it through, through a negative lens of like, oh, I got to give up all this stuff and, and people are going to you know, give me agita one way or another. And, and that, that's not what it's about. It's about doing something that you feel good about, you physically, emotionally, spiritually, and you, you have that support system to help you not only do it in the, the healthiest way for you, but also in, in a way that's it's going to be fun. I mean, it just it opens up this whole new world of, of tastes and pleasures and, 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 and enjoyment of food. I mean, I, I don't know that I know any foodies that are more into food than vegans are. I mean, it's, I mean, that's a very vegan thing to say, but it's true. Vegans love food. And I personally, I love food a lot more now that I'm, that I'm vegan than I did 10 plus years ago. Um, so yeah, so that's just like the, the general um, uh, overview of the program, what we offer. Great. So basically there's people that come that they want assistance. They want some kind of support mentorship for them to transition into a lifestyle, either whether it's full vegan, vegetarian, or even reduction of their meat. And then you have the mentors that already have this knowledge and guide them through. So how does it work logistically? Is this something that's done over email or in person or over phone? How, how do these mentors and mentees develop relationships? Good question. Very good question. Uh, so uh, each mentor uh, goes through a, tr a training process with us. Uh, and then once they are, quote, live, uh, they are ready to be paired with, with mentees, just depending on whatever their availability is. And so people sign up for the program, uh, predominantly online through our form uh, is the most common outlet. And then based on, on several factors, geographic location, age, uh, a couple other questions that we'll ask uh, the, the, the aspiring um, vegan or, or, or the, the mentee, the, the new sign up. Uh, so, so based off of those several factors, we'll then pair them with uh, the most suitable uh, mentor at least the most suitable mentor that we have available at the time. Uh, so that's kind of like my job. I do a little bit of mentoring, a little bit of like matchmaking, um, all for all for the greater good, right? <laughs> uh, and then, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll make the introductions with uh, all of the, any mentee that's being paired with a mentor. And, uh, and they, they basically just take it from there. Uh, we'll start them off with a bunch of resources and, and tips and, um, other variables that might be pertaining to their initial questions, uh, but it, but it's on our mentors to uh, stick with them and follow through, and, and they'll they'll send me updates and, and feedback, and, and that's how we generate that. But I mean, at this point, we have over seventy mentors uh, globally, and so um, a lot of my the bulk of my job at this point actually works with recruiting and training and uh, managing uh, all the mentors because the, the program is expanding at such a, a fast rate, which course is a phenomenal pro problem problem to, to have 
so yeah, and then the, the relationships are, that's, and that's what we're looking for with our mentors. Um, as, as much of the, the surface uh, is, uh, yeah, just knowing your vegan knowledge and being able to uh, transfer that information uh, to aspiring vegans, that that's still only about half of the, um, the, the requirements of, of what we're looking for in mentors. Uh, we want people that are able to connect with people that are fun and energetic and excited to share this information. Because I mean, as vegans, how often do we get a, even a neutral setting, let alone a positive platform to uh, share all this wonderful knowledge that we have? So being able to do it in that manner with people that are able to make genuine connections with other people, it adds what I refer to as a fifth pillar. Uh, we had talked about the other four being the, the health benefits and the animal suffering, the environment, and the workers' rights. Those being like the four core reasons why people go vegan and focusing on those to help people stick with the lifestyle. Uh, and the more they know about those four and the more they care about those each of those four, now they're just more and more likely to stick with it. But having that go-to person uh, that like accountability buddy really uh, adds that fifth dimension of sustainability to it because you know at the end of the day we don't care if somebody is vegan in two weeks after signing up for the program that's not the point we we very much um, focus on incrementalism and simplicity and just adhering to each individual's needs and their comfort levels um, but sustainability is the the ultimate goal for the program we we want you to be vegan for the rest of your life. Definitely. And yeah. the more support that you can have, I means multiple studies show that having support, having community, whenever you have a, a certain goal or behavior change is really, really important, especially in some parts of the country where the percentage of vegans, vegetarians might be very low. I know when I went vegan, I didn't know any vegans, none, zero. Mm -hmm. And it actually took a couple of weeks. And that's when I first met my very first vegan friend <laughs> and, and that started the recommendations on books and documentaries, which was really important because by the end of those 30 days, I was not turning back. So it can, it can make a huge difference in somebody's life. Whenever you reach out and even just give a few recommendations, mm -hmm. Hey, check out this documentary, check out this book. It can really help people. So you yeah. said that there's training required. How long does this training last? How intense is it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, it fluctuates, but generally speaking, from the moment that someone reaches out uh, expressing an interest in mentoring till the point where they are, quote, live and, and ready to be paired with men, uh, mentees, uh, it's generally two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, we'll, we'll just get a feel for each other via email for a while, uh, and then we have a couple pieces of literature, uh, different guides to mentoring that we have put together for our um, uh, prospective mentors to look through. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do a video call like this just to, to gauge that, again, because that, that personality is, is a huge component to what we're looking for in mentors. Uh, and then we'll go through a series of mock emails where uh, I'll essentially pretend to be an aspiring vegan, I'll ask questions, and we'll go back and forth gauging and talking about uh, responses from the uh, prospective mentor. And then, yeah, when, once we're both comfortable, um, and, and, and the whole process is, is, is very laid back. I mean, it's not that we're struggling to find people that know their vegan knowledge. That, that's, to be honest, that's the easy part. And 
so many vegans tend to be just such compassionate, kind-hearted people. So it, it's really not difficult finding um, individuals that quote qualify. Uh, but yeah, of course, you want to just make sure people have certain um, communication etiquette and standards. Uh, we do pride ourselves on that. Uh, PETA, that is, as an organization. So uh, there's there's certainly a level of professionalism that we want to uh, incorporate into that laid back uh, approach of the program. Uh, and then, yeah, at, at that point, then it's, um, it's really up to the mentors to, uh, like I said, not only keep me, us up to date on all the progress and, uh, and such from their, their individual pools of, of mentees, uh, but to also just let us know how they're, uh, feeling at all times with, with the comfort level of their, their current like workload. And, um, they just, they come to me when, whenever they want more. Uh, aspiring vegans because the beauty of it is that generally speaking after a couple weeks or a couple months uh, regardless of how communicative any new vegan is you know, they start to get their feet under them so by default the the the, the frequency of communication just teeters off and, and they're doing their job mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you'll be paired with mentees that you only talk to a couple times and then they're good to go you're not necessarily like that go-to pillar person but in other cases I have mentees that I've been talking to and continue to talk to for over three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the bonds, it's just, it's beautiful. I mean, it, this is such a vegan, another very vegan thing to say, but again, like this is one of the most important lifestyle shifts uh, for people for, for their entire lives and um, whether they know it or not. And, and you're that go-to person for them in, in many cases. And it's, it's very powerful. It's very rewarding. And um, it's, it's lifting to be such a, a driving force for somebody's life improvement. You know, it's just, it's, it's really motivational stuff. And it's, so it comes very full circle between mentee, mentor, and, and the organization. It has just several layers of benefit for, for all three parties. So it's really beautiful. Definitely gives mentors the opportunity to make a, a pretty significant impact on individuals and one by one that adds up for sure. And what I love to hear too is because I teach a lot of cooking classes through Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. I'm a food for life instructor. And I love hearing stories about how the students I've had have switched to a plant-based diet and then they affect other people. And you know, it just the the ripple effect is huge because even if you just impact one person they might impact five which each of those impacts five and it makes a huge difference so it's a very big opportunity hey humans i know you want to eat healthier but feel strapped for time and even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out well have you considered trying a meal kit service Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80 plus flavor packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. 
Try 15 plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients, as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide their recipe cards, and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow, and everything you need is included, so even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home-cooked meal. It's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring, and time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home-cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash IAMHUMAN50 and use the code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily Nutrigreens. Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutrigreens, and we loved it. The Daily Nutrigreens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend, along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients, such as B12, iron, iron, zinc, and selenium. The daily greens are certified organic and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The daily Nutri-Greens are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the apple banana daily Nutri-Greens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste. And I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink. Integrate it into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens, head to myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. So once a mentor signs up, do they have a certain commitment of time that they sign up for, or can they just kind of try it out and see if it's for them, or do they have to commit to a certain length of time? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's no, see, that's, so for me, we have such a wonderful, just badass team of uh, network of mentors all throughout the world that just, I mean, they, they care, they care so much. And, and that, is so very obvious in the way that they interact with their mentees. 
uh, and the mentees very much appreciated. I mean, the, the feedback that we get is just, it, it's so beautiful. Um, I mean, I, I write up a, a weekly report and it's usually just saturated with appreciation uh, and up and really positive updates from everyone's journeys. And it's, yeah, it's, just, it's really, really beautiful. But in terms of commitments, um, my number one priority, especially at this point with the volunteer mentors being the heart and soul of the program, uh, very much value, acknowledge, respect the fact that they all have full-time lives, social networks, families, partners outside of this. I mean, that this is something that they are doing with their oftentimes very limited free time because they care, because it, they want to help people change their lives. They want to help animals and they want to just help push this, this knowledge, this lifestyle out into the world as much as possible because it is arguably one of the most important decisions that are impactful decisions that an individual can make. Mm -hmm. So with commitments, I mean, I, ideally I'd like, or we'd like to, to have uh, most of the mentors have at least a handful of mentees under their wing at all times. But if, you, if they get a point where they just things get busier at work or with family and they need to take time off or just kind of, um, shave some of that off for a period of time or they get extra free time and they want me to send them 30 mentees. It, it's whatever they want. You know, I, I certainly don't want anyone to ever feel uh, obligated or pressured into something that not only they're doing as a volunteer, but they're doing out of the kindness of their heart as a favor to their new friends and just to the world and animals in general. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's very lax in that, uh, in that regard. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it's, it's pretty flexible, pretty low pressure. So if somebody just kind of wants to try it out as their way of volunteering and giving back, the pressure is low. You don't have to have like a massive number of mentees. You can see how it's, what it's like. So how many mentees have you guys have, um, have had through the program so far? Mm -hmm. Good question. Uh, so the program officially uh, grew its own legs, uh, would have been... Uh, the September 2015. So we're coming up on on three years, and in that period of time, we have had at least 21. I, I want to say a little over 2,200 uh, mentees go through the program, um, and the the good majority of them uh, through the first two years were mostly myself and. Um, one or two colleagues doing the vast majority. I mean, that's all we were doing full time, but, but it was very beneficial because it helped us really gain this unique, deeply powerful um, idea and grasp of what new vegans needed and what they wanted and what was the most helpful for them transitioning. And so over the last year, that's when we really started pushing the uh, recruitment of volunteer mentors. Um, and I say the vast majority, I mean, we've had even though that the last year is only about a third of the, the program's duration, we, we've certainly had far more than a third uh, of that 2,200 go through in the last year, uh, simply because we have 70 people mentoring now as opposed to three or four. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Great. So it sounds like you have lots of experience mentoring, which is a perfect segue to my next question is what is the biggest challenge that people encounter when they are transitioning to a vegan diet? Yeah, Ooh. Uh, to pinpoint it down to one is, is pretty difficult. Uh, I would say that 
the, the longest lasting barrier or perceived barrier uh, would be the, the social interactions. And, and we can certainly touch on that to a far greater extent here in a minute. Um, and then of course, initially, I mean, where do I start? How do I cook? I don't know how to shop. Like, I mean, the standard American diet, it, it's not that, you know, it's so much of it is just reframing how people look at their food, right? Because you look at the standard plate, American plate, and it's, it's so not only meat heavy, but just animal based food heavy. So all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I taken all the animal products in my, my current plate and it's like, Oh, 90% of it's gone. But the thing is there are 40,000 different plant foods that we can eat yet animal based foods. There's five or six that we, derive different food. So I mean, far more than 99% of the food that we can actually eat are plants. You know, you just kind of incentivize yourself to explore that more once you actually refuse to contribute to that suffering anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's just that, that initial reframing and then the, like I said, the, the social bit um, are really where um, the, the, the two biggest hiccups, or like I said, I keep saying perceived hiccups, because oftentimes it really isn't anywhere close to as, uh, as as high of a wall that they have to climb. It's just having someone there that has done it, and that is that comforting uh, soul to, to lean on for those questions. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, again, the knowledge, that is the surface of it, the transfer of knowledge, a lot of it, yeah, can still be Googled. I mean, it's, it's not that we're sharing information that you can't find anywhere else. I mean, yes, it's nice to have it um, presented to you in a, in a concise, um, easy to, to digest manner from a trusted source, uh, someone who's been doing this and someone that you've built a rapport with and that just has that human touch. But, um, but again, that human touch is, is really where that other half of the program, that's, that's really where the, the gold is, uh, is just to have that person that, um, cares and just knowing that someone else cares and they're dedicating their time, uh, it, works wonders with uh, helping people get through those um, uh, initial hesitations that they may have. Mm-hmm. I'm very uh, familiar with that concern that people have that there's nothing to eat. And, and I get that question all the time. It's like, well, what do you eat? Like, you know, <laughs> all they can think of is like maybe some lettuce, maybe an apple. Right. <laughs> like that's all you can think of whenever you think of vegan food. Um, but I feel like I almost have the opposite problem now. I feel like there's so, my world of food is so huge and there's so many yummy things to eat that I want to be eating all the time because it's just so good. I mean, it's just so delicious. (laughs) After you go from that, what you were talking about, animal, animal food centric plate of like, okay, what meat am I going to have? What vegetable am I going to have? Now it's just, it just feels limitless. So whenever you are mentoring somebody and they come to you and they're like, what do I eat? What tips do you give them to how to get started and how to start thinking, how to change their paradigm, how to change their mindset when it comes to choosing their meals and choosing their food? Yeah. I love that you use the word mindset there because that, that, that is a lot of what it comes down to is again, like just reframing that perspective that you have with food. Um, so a, a big thing is to, to, help we, we really try to focus on helping people with their current comfort foods right off the bat um asking them like what are your favorite just animal-based non-vegan food you know, pizza hot dogs cheesesteaks whatever it is and really 
just focusing on those, the foods that they eat the most and the foods that they enjoy the most and working with them to, that's where we're going to start. We're going to veganize all of this stuff that, the stuff that you eat the most, uh, the most and the stuff that you enjoy the most. And, and we're going to find recipes that work for you and that you find, uh, satiate that, uh, that, that desire that you have from the animal based food version. And right off the bat, that, that initial comfort zone that you're able to, to then essentially just transition over into their new lifestyle. Uh, that is uh, really a foundational starting point for uh, people that are um, transitioning to, to veganism. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then it, it really is circumstances of the person. I mean, for, for some people they want, for them it's easier to do, um, Hey, I'm going to try vegan three, two, three days a week to start and slowly, you know, progress from there, or I'm going to eliminate um, this type of food and then slowly uh, el- eliminate more. Uh, so, so whatever the, the uh, approach is, perhaps they're just going to do uh, vegan. Uh, what's, what's the one that Mark Bittman has? It's vegan before six where you're eating your, your lunch, your breakfast, uh, whatever snacks before dinner, you're eating all vegan. Uh, and then during your progress uh you know you kind of whatever you want if, if you're not going to eat vegan that's that's the only time you're doing it uh and then you, yeah you just you progress from there but regardless um very much again like just focusing on incrementalism with uh with new vegans it's you know it's it's so easy for this lifestyle to be viewed as like this all or nothing like you have to be all in or you're not doing enough or you're not doing any good if you're not and that's that's toxic. And unfortunately, vegans oftentimes are the ones to blame for that mentality. And uh, so, so really trying to get away from that pursuit of personal purity and focus on pragmatism for the individual uh, and just helping, helping them work through it. And hey, again, you know, if you're not vegan in two weeks or two months, that's fine. As long as you're going at a rate that is comfortable and healthy and enjoyable for you. And then always having in the back of your mind, this uh, focus that you you want to continue to improve. Uh, So whether you're at 20% or 50 or 99%, you just always want to do the best you can. And that goes for anything in life. And we're just associating that to food in this case. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I (laughs) preach the same thing. We all have different personalities, right? So I was one of those overnight vegans. I'm kind of an all or nothing person and that works for me. But I find that for the majority of people, they're not all or nothing people. So doing those baby steps, how can you improve? How can you contribute more slowly, little by little and get comfortable with it? And I like the point that you had at the beginning because it's true that the average American family rotates through about eight meals. So they really, we don't eat a very diverse diet in the United States. So if you can find a vegan alternative for those meals, instead of pasta with meatballs, instead you can have pasta with veggies or find a meat alternative that you like, that's solved, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it can be very, very simple. It's just about thinking in a different way and trial and error and seeing what works for you and what doesn't. So that's really, really great. Well, let's touch upon the social thing because I think that this gets a lot of people because it's, it's uncomfortable. And especially because there is a perception. I, one of the things that still makes me uncomfortable because I'm a very bold person, I can order at any restaurant. But I think we, I was just recently at a family reunion and the thing that makes me most uncomfortable 
is when people eat with me and they think that I'm judging them and they, and they start making excuses like, I haven't had meat in, in like two weeks, but I really want this steak. And they're like looking at you with these eyes and I'm like, you know, eat your steak. I'm not judging you. So right, right. what are the tips that you have for social situations when people are first transitioning to this lifestyle? Yeah, yeah no, and I think you, uh, that, and that's the way to handle it. The way, the way that you had just described, you know, it's, um, and it comes back to just, I, I'm not judging you, but let's think of why you feel so, obligated to emphasize that you feel bad about what you're eating it really you know it, it just you do you I'm doing me but just try to be cognizant of why that's that's bothering you right mm-hmm. um, so yeah so with the social settings this is um, this is something that we really really drive home with uh, with our mentors is that you know as as profoundly impactful as this uh, lifestyle is for any one individual to adhere to. Uh, I mean, arguably is the most um, impactful decision that any individual can make that pertains to so many issues simultaneously. It's arguably more important that you're able to master the way that you interact with other people because regardless of how impactful it is for you as an individual, there's still a, relatively speaking, there's still a platform to that impact for you as an individual, right? But the way that you interact with other people, that, that's infinite. That, that impact that you can have on the world, negatively or positively, uh, it, specifically in regards to people, others' receptiveness to veganism, that's, I mean, that's really where, uh, like you said, that, that trickle effect. And if it's handled in an effective way, uh, not only does it make it like just easier for the, the, the vegan or the new vegan, uh, but you're able to open people's eyes to... Um, a lifestyle that is now more more approachable to them and, and they're more receptive to. So um, with social settings, it's again, like regardless of what you're doing <clears throat> or the reasons that you're adhering to this lifestyle, just try to always keep in mind the reasons that you're doing this, right? Because it, it's so easy for, because I mean, a, lot, a lot of times we're in situations where people try to instigate. I mean, it just, it, it, it happens, right? but always keeping your core values and your reasons in mind, whether it's the animals, the environment, keep them in mind at all times in these situations, because at the end of the day, in, in, in any conversation that you have with somebody, uh, let's say a non-vegan that is, let's say in worst case scenario, instigating, the second you lose your cool, you lose them. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are on the facts. It doesn't matter how articulate you are. It doesn't matter how right you are, or at least for your own moral compass. The second that you lose your cool and that conversation turns negative or sour and le- or leaves that sour taste in some, the other person's um, head, le- leaving the conversation, you've lost. You've done no service to the animals in that case because you've played into what a lot of people have, these preconceived notions of, of what vegans are. They're, they're hypercritical. They're judgmental. And again, like we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, it's like that because oftentimes we, we do let our emotions get the best of us. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I totally get it. Like, this is something that literally means the world to people because it, I mean, the world, the world is at stake in, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways. But we, can't, we have to be able to master the art of keeping your cool in every situation. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with validating someone's concerns that they have about not being able to give up meat or... Um, if somebody 
pokes fun at the lifestyle. There's nothing wrong. It doesn't make you any less of a vegan to, to laugh at a joke at your own expense. I mean, yes, these are very serious issues and, and there, there's always value in keeping the conversa- a, a serious undertone to the conversation that, that is uh, approachable and, and informational. Um, but again, we, we need to be able to socialize in a way that makes the lifestyle as approachable and reasonable as possible to people. Because otherwise, we're, we're only we're limiting ourselves to our own individual impacts. And that's, that's great for our own vegan circle. But as effective vegans, we want and should always be trying to make the lifestyle as approachable as possible and bring more people into the circle. And we only do that by interacting in positive ways. It's just, that's just the nature of, of how humans function. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I agree that at the beginning that can be really difficult because once you've had this whole, your whole worldview turned upside down, you get this huge amount of emotion and passion and you just want to like grab people by the shoulders and shake them and be like, don't you get it? <laughs> you know, Because it's like you saw yeah. the light, you know? So I think at yeah. the beginning, and this is what I noticed too at the beginning, I think people might come on kind of strong. And then as mm-hmm. they learn from the feedback they get, then they pull back a little bit. And I made a decision early yeah. on because, you know, I, I was a little bit more aggressive when I first transitioned. Um, and then I made the decision that I would focus on the positive as much as possible. And then I have my group. I think this is another important part about having support in a community, because if you have a group that you go to or a mentor, you have a safe place to diffuse those emotions too, because it can be very emotional. It can be sometimes very, very frustrating and you need somebody to go to that is going to you know, receive you with open arms and give you a place to cry and give you a place to kind of just vent whenever you're feeling frustrated about the situation. But I think that's really good advice is that, you know, try to let things slide off your back, be positive. And what I tell people too, is just be a role model, be the best example that you can be and show people how happy and joyful you are, you know, because it can, it can, especially for people that have found that the change in the diet has improved their health and they feel happier. Show that part off, you know, and just be, be that shining example of what this change in lifestyle can do for you. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about you and about being an athlete while eating a vegan diet and living a vegan lifestyle because we all know that once you become vegan you become a weakling right and you know you can't do it you're just like basically on the brink of survival pale and gaunt (laughs) and definitely wouldn't be able to run races or do marathons or any of that kind of thing so tell me what is the reality of the situation Ooh, yeah yeah far from it um so i um my athletic adventures uh, predominantly focus on long distance running. You said marathons, half marathons. Um, and yeah, so, so I've been running, uh, probably for, I was running for probably a good two years or so before I went vegan and almost, I mean, yummy. I mean, almost instantly when I transitioned to, once I had that, um, uh, horrible, uh, vegetable lasagna experience and I was officially vegan by the fall of, of, uh, 2009, uh, I mean, it was almost within two weeks. Uh, I mean, not just the, the, the health benefits of sleeping better and having clearer skin and uh, just a, a more positive outlook 
on, on my, my day to day. Um, uh, my sinuses were, I mean, I, I had horrible allergies my whole life. I am not kidding you. I mean, on Claritin and just sneezing fits all the time. Within two weeks of giving up dairy, uh, I have not taken an allergy medication or had any type of sneezing fit whatsoever in almost nine years. It's wow. incredible. Um, but from the, the athletic perspective, with the running, again, that was uh, nearly the same result uh, with it being just so uh, starkly uh, obvious that, that giving up this what, these other foods and fueling myself strictly on plants was working wonders for my athletic body as well when it came to not only running times, I mean, shredding time off of my distances, uh, but recovery. That was actually the big one uh, that uh, I would say the biggest ch change that I saw, the, the most drastic change. And I also didn't expect that really at all, let alone to the degree that it happened. I mean, I can run a marathon and I, I just go out and run my normal running routine the next day. I, it was just like mind boggling. Uh, it, was, it was actually kind of scary at first, just how uh, drastic it uh, the change was, but yeah. And I, I mean, my races, like I said, the, the times are shredding and just by default shredding time, my placements are much better now. And, uh, I just, I just feel great. I'm able to run longer, uh, recover faster, uh, feel better while I'm doing it. Uh, it's just all, all around. Everything has been positive, uh, positive improvement for me. That's incredible. And I yeah. think that we hear that over and over from vegan athletes that transitioned. That's the number one thing I hear is recovery. The recovery improves, which makes a big difference because if you're having a lot of soreness, if it's taken you a long time to get back to where you need to be in your training, that can really affect you whenever you have certain goals for your competition. So that's great. Have you gotten to see a screening of that movie coming out, The Game Changers, yet? I have no, I, I've seen a trailer, but I haven't, um, it's because it's, it's not out yet, right? No, I just know that there's some people in different parts of the country that have seen like the pre-release screening and oh, I just, no. I'm dying, I'm just dying to watch I that. Know, so I know, I know, it's going to be so out. good. Um, do, do you know when the release is, the official release? No, I don't, but um, hopefully, hopefully this year, I'm not it's sure. Not. <laughs> right. It's a while to get out to the public, yeah. but once it's out, believe me, I'll be... I'll be trying to. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I hear you. And you know what's really interesting with that is, um, especially talking to uh, our, like the certain uh, sector of our volunteer mentors that have been vegan for 30, 40 years, uh, and having gone vegan several decades ago, the, the reasons that they went vegan, you know, generally being books or perhaps like literature, uh, and now looking at it today, um, one of the, uh, introductory questions that we ask people through the program is like, you know, what was the driving force for you? And uh, I mean, like, what the health is easily referenced more than anything else. So I think that speaks to the health conscious, the increased health consciousness of, uh, of our society, but also just the, the power of uh, documentaries and just how those, that uh, form of information is really the in a lot of ways the go-to or at least one of the primary sources of information for people and uh, it just makes movies like the game changers just so much more powerful and exciting and uh, just so anxious for it to to get here because I, I feel that it's really going to address so much of uh, just another layer of gap in who we're reaching especially when it comes to males because um, I mean you're still looking at you know a lifestyle that is 
certainly uh, sees uh, more females uh, mm-hmm. adhering to it. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, well, I, I agree. I think that for men, because you know, meat and eating meat is seen very manly. And mm-hmm. it, the perception is that if you're not eating meat, there's no way you can get muscles or compete athletically. We have this, this focus on protein and, and it's coming from animal protein, what most people are doing, the trainers and other people that are advising athletes. So I think name the game changers, hopefully it will be a game changer yeah. for, yeah. for um, the United States. <laughs> people here. Well, I wanted to ask you, what personal habit are you most proud of and how did you develop it and how do you maintain it? Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful, wow. Which one am I most proud of? Oh, yeah. My, my, my routines and my habits are, are very uh, near and dear to my heart. Choosing one doesn't seem fair, but I suppose um, I would have to go with my, my diet. Just by, I'm very health conscious. Uh, I've I've been this way for for quite a while, far before I went vegan, or at least my perspective at the time pre-vegan was that I was um, eating in in a very healthy way. Uh, But I would say I I really got into healthy eating uh, around 15, and um, I'm 32 now, so it's uh, something that I've been continually fine-tuning for almost two decades now, and uh, I just, I take a lot of pride in eating very healthy. Uh, I, I feel better, I, uh, for, uh, obviously for this lifestyle, if you um, are able to feel your best, you're going to act your best. You're going to, I mean, hope, I mean to some degree, look your best, not that that should have an implication on, on whether people adhere to the lifestyle, of course, but, um, but that resonates with some people. And, uh, and it also kind of, to some degree negates the whole, oh, well, you're just going to shrivel up and look like death if you go vegan. Well, I mean, no, that's the exact opposite for the vast majority of people, at least if you're doing it in a health conscious way. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I mean, adhering to, um, yeah, healthy eating habits. I I mean, it's just something that um, if I feel better, I'm able to advocate for animals more efficiently. I'm able to uh, run uh, faster, dis- longer distances faster. Uh, I'm able to, to meditate more efficiently. You know, just the, the clarity of mind, just your, uh, just less guilt on my conscience, not just because I'm not eating animals, but also because I know that I'm treating my body uh, in a sacred way. I mean, you only have one, and uh, why? I mean, not not that everyone has to be as health conscious as uh, some people are, but um, if you're gonna feel better and you do it to the extent that you can. Um, I feel that it just, it works in everyone's best interests. That's beautiful. Yeah. What is your go-to meal? Ooh, uh, gosh, I'm, so I'm very big. seems like all the meals that I eat um, typically start with the letter S. I don't know why. Um, so I'm, I'm huge on smoothies, um, huge on stir fries, um, big on salads. I mean, uh, traditionally, I wasn't. I, I actually only really, really started get eating salads in the last two years. Uh, but all of them, you can just pack them full of nutrients and just throw a bunch of stuff in there and it make it work. And you just you get a lot of bang for your buck. And um, I mean, that's just the, the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, you, as much, the fruits and the veggies, they're, they're packed with them. So as much as you can eat, and you can arguably eat as much as you want anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those tend to be my go my go tos, um, uh, and sushi too. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, all four of them. Um, 
just pack them with with as much stuff as I can and, uh, and and switch it up as much as possible. So like you had said, the typical family only rotates through eight. I probably rotate through about half of that. But, um, you know, you, you can, with each of those, you can switch them up so much that, I mean, you, you really don't get tired of them. I mean, I can get different flavor profiles for each one every day of the month. So... Absolutely. I do a salad challenge. We did it for the first time this year. I'm going to be doing it annually. Hopefully you can participate in it next year, but it is true. Like a salad can be, you can have like a bazillion different combination whenever you put different ingredients in there. It can taste really different. Use different dressings, use different types of beans, use different grains. And I'm, I'm like you, I like my favorite meals are the ones I can eat in bowls. I just like being able to throw in lots of different ingredients. So, So yummy. Well, Keith, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Before I let you go, I would love for you to tell us how listeners can find out more about the Vegan Mentor Program, whether they want to be a mentor or a mentee, and where can they connect with you? Oh, lovely. And, and hey, I want to uh, just preface by closing with, with thanking you, um, Yami. I, this is, uh, I think, this is a, a beautiful outlet, and everything that you're doing is, is so important, and it's inspiring and engaging, and, um, and, I, and I love it. And so please just keep up the great work, and, and thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to just uh, lend some information to your uh, wonderful listeners as well. So, so thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> um, yeah, and so with our program, uh, yeah, like you said, we can. Um, we're certainly. Oh, well, of course, we're always looking for people that want to go vegan or just eat less meat. Uh, so by all means, um, signing up. And same with mentors. We're always looking for uh, knowledgeable, reliable, friendly, upbeat in- individuals that have ideally um, been vegan for a little while and um, are in a position where they, they want to share that knowledge with people and, and make connections and help in some ways mold the next generation of, of vegans. And a lot of that plays into the social stuff. Cause like you said, a lot of times it is the, the vegans that are the first year or two or three, that are the most combative. We, as a mentor, you have this wonderful opportunity to from day one ingrain in them the importance and the value of keeping your cool. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So for either situation, whether looking to go vegan or you want to mentor with us, uh, you can, the easiest way is to go to our website. It's PETA.org slash vegan mentor. And uh, there's a, a, a sign up form there for aspiring vegans. And then right below that, you'll see a little paragraph with information of how to get in contact with me directly if you're interested in mentoring. Awesome. Well, Keith, thank you so much. I hope that this brings you another group of vegan mentors that can help you on your mission and the mission of PETA. I really appreciate all the work that you do, your service and your advocacy, and I hope that you have a plantastic day. (laughs) Likewise, Yami. I appreciate it. Uh, You're a beautiful soul, and I will, um, yeah, I'll let you know how the the turnout. Awesome. To blow your mind It's low on calories And it looks like mini trees When you're having dinner with me Broccoli I hope that you enjoyed today's episode Thank you so much for tuning in And I look forward to having you back again next time A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons For permission to use the Broccoli song 
To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at VeggieFitKids on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or you can email me at VeggieDoctor at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.